Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This is Greg Frank from Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Greetings to those in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all of these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and my gambling picks on Twitter at UndercoverGreg. As it is a Wednesday night, Thursday morning, that time of day when we record our NFL Weekly Pick'em Pod, which means we bring on our jack of all trades. Alex Uplinger, managing the podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. Find him at Alex underscore up seven on Twitter as well. Alex, my man, it's week five. Good to have you aboard. How you doing? I am doing great, buddy. I'm excited to be back. I Just this, this week is kind of gross, but I'm excited to find us some winners. What do you think? First, yeah, looking it, at this it week, is a it was not fun. Week. It's just there's not much that you look at and want to bet, but sometimes you plug your nose and cash the ticket all the same. That's what we're trying to do here again. This is Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. And I guess without further ado, let's jump in where we have maybe the most intriguing game of the week on Thursday Night Football, and it is the Los Angeles Rams heading to the Pacific Northwest to take on the Seattle Seahawks. We're seeing Los Angeles laying two in the hook in this game, and a total is uh, sitting at 54.5, one of the higher totals on the board. And, Alex, when we look at this number, uh, it does look like there's actually a good deal of variance 
as Bet Online is dealing a very highly juiced one at minus 131 with the Rams. But as I said, some books are at two, two and a half. What stands out about the Rams laying a short number on the road? Yeah, I'm seeing two and a half here on DraftKings. And I'm looking yep. on bet online. It's I'm, interesting bet online that minus one thirty one juice on the one. That's weird. Yeah, that's interesting because that's the number it opened up at is one right. each side. And I'm looking on Action Network and I'm seeing eighty percent of bets on the Rams and ninety percent of money on the Rams. I'm not really surprised. This feels like a perfect bounce back spot for the Rams. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the bait. I'm I'm taking the trap here. The Rams feel like such a trap spot, but I really like them. I don't love the Seahawks defense. And I see Sean McVay. He's 13-6-1 against the spread after a loss. And then he's 8-2 and two against the spread. 8-2 against a number on the road off the loss. Yeah. yeah. So I'm just thinking we're getting the, I think, just the better team here. I really think the Rams' defense is way better than the Seahawks' defense. I'm going to go with a very competitive offense. They both have great offenses, but I'm going to trust the Rams' defense here. I'm laying the points. I know it's kind of an absolute square side, but I'm going to take it. I like the Rams here. I think they're going to win pretty convincingly despite you know the Seahawks back with the 12th man here. I'm going to lay it with the Rams on the road. I am going to look a different way and play Seattle on a teaser leg. I like getting Seattle. I talked about this a little bit on our opening line spaces conversation last Sunday night, how I thought the only way you could play Seattle would be to tease them up through all those key numbers and get them up over eight, which is what I am doing, plus eight and a half. Uh, Since it's at the end of the pod, I will mention that my second part of the teaser leg is the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, on Monday Night Football, so uh, a little bit of skin in the game on both of these primetime games that at least the Baltimore Indy one is really not all that appealing otherwise, but uh, having said that, I do think that something that I might look into more in these NFC West games, because everyone likes to talk about it being the best division in football, and it certainly lived up to the billing thus far, if you just tease the short dog up over the eight, uh, are you how good are you doing on those teaser legs and last week we see a couple of underdogs in Arizona and the Seattle Seahawks uh, win outright uh, with both of those teams on the road so if you're going to tell me that Seattle can win as a three-point road road dog against San Francisco I'm going to think that as a three-point home dog or two and a half point home dog against the Rams I can tease them up to eight and a half and utilize them as a teaser leg. And like I said, I think anytime you get a short line in an NFC West game, tease tease a dog up over the touchdown, and I think you'll have success that way. Because if this division does live up to its billing, then you're going to expect a lot of close games, and you're not going to see a lines of seven in any way. So use the dog in a teaser leg, which is, I think, how you play Seattle here. Yeah, I don't hate that at all. Russ always keeps the game close. I'm just hoping it, it falls that the that the Seahawks lose by three and 
we can both cash here. Yeah, exactly. Russell Wilson in prime time, uh, short week, which you normally think benefits the home team. So uh, I'll go with Seattle in a team. You're like, I got him up over the eight at eight and the hook. Let's go across the pond where we have the New York Jets for the first game on Sunday. I, I was going to say traveling, hosting. I, I don't know who the home team is. I guess it's Atlanta because they're the second team listed as the Jets are a three-point dog, total of 46. Alex, don't you feel like they always just bury? Like, I feel bad for those fans in London because some of them, I'm sure, are loving to get, would love to get into NFL football, and maybe some of them have and know what they're getting over there. But like, how I was going to say, have, aren't we aren't we trying to expand the game? Exactly. How is this expanding the expand? game? We throw two of the worst teams in the NFL overseas. Aren't we expanding the game? This, well, and, and how many like times game, have the Jacksonville Jaguars been sent there? Yeah, it's, it's terrible, and and they love it. They they seem to just love any professional NFL football, but. Right, it's so, just, so I feel like uh, Goodell's taking advantage of that and sending the bad teams over and just saying, oh, here you sure. go. Because, because you know no team wants to lose a home game. So this is essentially losing a home game for each team. Right. Right. So, excuse me, having setting, 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 side that you got to line up with, in this game is the New York Jets. And we're saying that for a second row, which you don't feel great about. But I think, Alex, in some ways, this game kind of reminds me of last week against Tennessee in the sense that we know that we can at least expect the Jets' defense to play hard. And it's a Robert Sala coach defense. So as with previous Jets teams, that's kind of their identity is to kind of roll up the sleeves, wear you down, try and win a low scoring grudge match. And now, like we had last week, we have the Jets offense going up against one of the worst defenses in football. And obviously the Jets got the outright win against the Titans. I think for that reason, you have to think that the Jets are the side here. Uh, but I, I can't do it just on the basis that I still think, like, I, I feel like I say this every week with Atlanta, where it's like, you know what? Like, they still have Kyle Pitts. They still have Calvin Ridley. And those are guys that can score and produce big plays in the blink of an eye. So I don't really like either side here, but I would definitely lean to the Jets only because it just kind of reminds me a little bit of last week's game in terms of the Jets' offense going up against a bad defense, and you're more willing to expect the Jets' offense to look less Jets' offense-like against an awful defense. So <laughs> uh, I think I'd lean with the Jets. Yeah, I think that's yeah. the only side to play here. But I'm going to look to a player prop. I'm going to go Corey Davis anytime touchdown. It's at plus 140 on DraftKings. I played that. The Falcons, they've allowed 11 passing touchdowns in four games. So they can really be exploited. We saw that last week. They gave up a ton of points to Washington with 
minimal weapons. I mean, Logan Thomas went out early, and then uh, Curtis Samuel Rue wasn't playing much. So I really just – I can't get to a side here, but I like the Jets to score points. I think Zach Wilson looked pretty good last week against arguably a better defense, which is tough to argue when you're talking about the Titans versus the Falcons. But <laughs> I, I think you have to – you have to lean a player prop here. It's really tough to get to a side. I, I would think if you want to play anything, it would be this. Maybe, maybe the over. Just you know, maybe just set your alarm for a little first touchdown <laughs> sweat. <laughs> I don't hate that at all. Hammer that Corey <laughs> Davis anytime and for such him. I might do it. I might have to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're onto something, especially with a Jets team that we know doesn't have a ton of explosive weapons. Davis at plus money to score at any time. Uh, we've seen Zach Wilson latch on to him and target him heavily. So um, I don't know if that's a, something that you like to do in general is just kind of target the one guy on the offense that on a, you know, a, a lackluster offense that is going to eat up a bunch of targets and expect him to you know, play him on those anytime touchdown props at plus money. But I think that's an interesting look for sure. Yeah, I think that makes it a lot more fun. I don't, I can't really get to a side here. Because who else is getting targets on the Jets? Like, who else would? I would say Crowder. Crowder gets. Crowder will get a lot of. Crowder will get a fair share of targets. I think it's between Crowder and Davis. I was, I was kind of torn there. I ultimately went Davis. They were pretty similar. I think Crowder was like plus one fifty, and Davis was plus one forty. Very similar. They're definitely gonna, they're definitely gonna score some points. Zach Wilson looked looked pretty damn good. He had a couple really good passes last week. I was actually very impressed. I really bumped him up from what I had him from the previous couple weeks. I think they're due for at least two to three touchdowns. So I think we're pretty safe with with Davis here, and I wouldn't hate anyone going Crowder as well. I think that's the only two weapons they have. Yeah, I would play either of those. So let's stay in an AFC East, NFC South matchup with one being played stateside. And it's the Miami Dolphins in a battle of Florida teams going to Tampa Bay to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Miami's a 10-point road pooch, a total of 48. Alex, you're going to plug your nose and take the Dolphins. And I got to say, I I do think as ugly as it sounds, I think it's the only side you can play right now. Like Tampa Bay hasn't really indicated, like there were four games in, the Bucks are three and one straight up, but only, or no, and four against the spread, believe it or not, having not covered excuse me, one and three. I felt they didn't cover against Atlanta because they shouldn't have. That was their lone cover uh, in week two. Did not cover against Dallas in week one. Obviously lost against the Rams. No cover. And then last week, no cover in the return for Tom Brady. So having said all of that, I don't think the Bucks are playing and simple, playing like a team that you lay 10 points with right now. They're the defending champs. 
But as I said, the one double-digit spread, they were very lucky to cover with the defensive touchdowns. The one thing we do know about Jacoby Brissett is that he can take care of the ball. He might not make a ton of plays, but he can kind of Teddy Bridgewater his way to a cover in this game, right? Yeah, that's absolutely what I'm banking on. I'm just I'm plugging my nose. You, you got to take double-digit spreads in the NFL. Tampa Bay secondary is really bad right now. They're, Richard Sherman is really what they brought in, and I'm not that confident in that. The, they rank last in the NFL in passing yards allowed per game. They give up 327 yards per game on average through the air. Yeah, I think they can just keep this close. I, I don't think the Bucks really care about blowing anyone out as we've seen. Is it if it wasn't for those two and, and it, defensive and touchdowns? And last week, I know the conditions weren't great, but you right, talk about not caring rate. about blowing anyone out. Like they didn't even blow New England out in the Tom Brady return game. No, and this is a New England offense is really inept. So yeah, I I think you just you it's the only side you got to plug your nose and just take the Dolphins plus ten. This is a terrible secondary in the Bucks. I would not be surprised if Brissett, you know, keeps it very close. They could win this game. I would not be surprised if the Dolphins win this game. Wow. So a little sprinkle? I might sprinkle it. I might sprinkle it with the (laughs) Texans. Sprinkle. And hope to get one. Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) So let's go from the... AFC East, NFC South to the NFC East, NFC South, where we have a couple of NFC East teams taking on NFC South teams now. And we're going to begin in Charlotte with the Carolina Panthers hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. Carolina, rotation number 456, laying three and the hook in this one, total of 45. Alex, we were kind of in agreement on our leans. I think you liked the Carolina side. This is a really problematic matchup for Philadelphia in the trenches as far as the offensive line for the Eagles against the defensive line for Carolina. We know that Carolina was in a little bit of a tough spot having to go to Dallas and face its first real test offensively in terms of the Carolina defense and how good it was the first three weeks. And Dallas won the battle and ultimately the Cowboys win and cover that game last week at Jerry World. Now this one feels a lot more like those first three the Panthers played against the New York Jets, the New Orleans Saints, and the Houston Texans. In terms of an offense that I don't want to say can't move the ball because Jalen Hurts at times has made plays. Devonta Smith at times has looked like the Heisman Trophy winner. And the tight ends for the Eagles seem to get involved on a weekly basis between Zach Ertz and or Dallas Goddard. So there's some things to work with here for the Eagles on offense, but it's a decimated offensive line with Brandon Brooks and Isaac Samalu and Jordan Mailata and Lane Johnson all hurt to different extents. And that's the biggest problem here for the Eagles and one that I don't know that they can overcome. When you look at the other side of the ball, you you know, the Philadelphia defense isn't really inspiring any confidence either right now. Gashed on the grounds by Carolina or by Kansas City, excuse me. Gashed on the ground by Dallas on Monday Night Football in a primetime game. So, you know, I... There's not a lot. Of, there's not a lot going right for the Eagles at the moment, and the Panthers 
you kind of mentioned it. It feels like a get-right spot for them after their first loss, as I said, playing a team that's more along the lines of the team they played the first three weeks in terms of the Jets, Saints, and Texans, and not the Dallas Cowboys that the Panthers saw last week. So I'd lean Panthers, but it sounds like you like it and are going to play the Panthers. Yeah, I'm getting there with the Panthers. I think this is a great bounce-back spot, as you said. Panthers are going back home after a really tough road loss. They didn't look great, but also that was the first game without J.C. Horn. I think bringing in Stephen Gilmore, granted, he's not going to play, but I think that really just shows what they're going for. They're really going to be playing for a championship I think that's going to boost everyone. It just shows the team that they're really committed to this season. You know, you're trading we for a corner. Not particularly coming up at the end of the month with the trade deadline, where if you have a team, and, and Alex, how about your team? I think it was in the 2019 season, the Steelers, and look at what happened to the overall morale of that team after I think they were 0-2, 0-3, and they went out and traded for Minka Fitzpatrick. It totally turned the season around. So I think there's definitely something to be said for the value in bringing in an established veteran like, like Stephon Gilmore and what that could do for the morale for the rest of the team, even though Gilmore won't be on the field on Sunday. Oh, absolutely. I Yeah, that Nick and Fitzpatrick trade was massive. They gave up a first-round pick, but that's a first-round player. He's the best. J.J. Uh, Watt or T.J. Watt is the best player on the defense, but Fitzpatrick is probably second to him. And that was huge for the team, team morale. So yeah, I think bringing in Gilmore just really pumps everyone up on defense. And we're already seeing this is a really strong defensive team. The Panthers are second in the NFL with 3.5 sacks per game. And you mentioned all those Eagles offensive linemen that are out or banged up. I don't know if they're playing. But it's just a really strong front seven for the Panthers. I, I really like the Panthers here, minus three and a half. And we saw their offense. They could put up enough points. And the Dallas defense is actually looking really good, especially when they moved Micah uh, Fitzpatrick out to the defensive line. And it's a really strong defensive front in Dallas. And you still saw Carolina move the ball pretty well. I really like Carolina here. I think the Eagles are going to probably lay down, and I don't know how they're going to move the ball that well. I think this Carolina defensive front is really strong. Got another matchup between an NFC East team and an NFC South opponent, and it's the New Orleans Saints traveling to the nation's capital in Alex's backyard to take on the Washington football team, and we're seeing New Orleans a short road favorite of one, two points, depending on where you shop. Total of 44 and a half. And I got to look to New Orleans here as a short road chalk. Here's the thing, Alex. When you, we, we talk a lot about side total correlations. And when you see this number at 44 and a half, I just think that tells you you have to play New Orleans. Because right now, Washington, even last week against Atlanta, the defense just doesn't appear to be getting anything fixed. And until you see that, maybe you will this week against the New Orleans offense that Obviously, he's been pretty anemic. But until you see the Washington defense look like that hyped unit that we thought we were getting all season that won the NFC East last year, I don't know how you feel great about backing Washington, particularly in games like this, 
where the New Orleans Saints are going to really butter their bread on the defensive side of the ball. And we know that if New Orleans is to make the playoffs, it's going to be because Jameis Winston protected the ball and wasn't an idiot with some of the turnovers that he can generally commit sometimes. Alvin Kamara did his thing. And the offense just kind of got their three touchdowns a week, and the defense proved to be one of the better defenses in the NFL, as we've seen with New Orleans the last five, six years. So with all of that said, I think that you have to look to the New Orleans side because it is also a get-right spot for the Saints after last week, uh, you know, New Orleans two weeks ago had that impressive win against the New England Patriots. But then last week followed it up with an equally as embarrassing loss at home against the New York Giants. We talked about Sean Payton earlier in the year uh, off a loss as why I didn't play it against New England, but that was in week three because he had lost to Carolina in week two. Sean Payton for his career is over 60% against the spread off a loss. I think that's something too systemically that I look to. I know Ron Rivera is a really good coach as well, and these guys know each other from Rivera's days with Carolina. But having said that, anytime you get a good coach off a loss, you just expect those teams to bounce back. And that's why I'd expect New Orleans to bounce back here. Washington, as I said, not inspiring confidence with its defense still. And I think you got to see it first before you can believe it. Last thing, James Winston. And it's kind of like a weakness on weakness matchup, too, for the New Orleans offense against the Washington defense. When you look at New Orleans, not really having any downfield playmakers, at least not yet. Michael Thomas still sidelined. And so Jameis Winston, I think, just needs to minimize the chance taking anyway because the Washington secondary has really been the problem area for the football team. I'm not sure if New Orleans can take advantage of it, but I do think that New Orleans can kind of just methodically move the ball, score in the 20s, win this game, something like 24-17 in that neighborhood. So I'd lean with New Orleans. Yeah, I was leaning with New Orleans as well. I'm just looking at the Washington injury report today from practice, and there was no Antonio Gibson. Sheriff is going to be out. Logan Thomas is going to be out. Curtis Samuel didn't practice. I I think it's going to be a big game from Kamara. I'm just worried about Jameis Winston. He's only attempted 13.75 attempts through four games, but I think that might lean more on the coach kind of handicapping him. I think Sean Payton knows exactly what he's doing. He's going to run the ball a lot against his Washington front seven. Washington, 17th in the NFL. They give up 118.5 yards per game, which is okay. But Washington just, their secondary is so beat up. They're not right right now. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, New Orleans is the only side here. I'm just worried about James Winston. Can we really trust him in a game like this? I'm not so sure. <laughs> right. I'm, yeah. I could not. I can't. Yeah, I can't bet on James Winston. So I'm going to ultimately pass. But I think New Orleans is the side. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly why I'm passing, too. I don't know that I ever want to bet on James Winston this year. So, you know, in a weird <laughs> yeah, way, it's tough. while Jameis is the better NFL quarterback, as a better, I might feel better with Hill in there if I'm betting the Saints. 
I would not fault that at all. I kind of feel that as well. <laughs> I, I feel like he'll, despite not passing that well, I feel like he moves his ball better. James Winston is just due for, a, to protect for the like ball a fourth pick. Yeah, and James Winston, yeah. James is just due for a game where he's going to throw like four interceptions to, to no-name cornerbacks. Like, I don't know. This game is such a toss-up. That's why the spread is what it is. Well, a game that many people don't think is a toss-up is the Tennessee Titans traveling to Duval to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And there won't be any blonde women for Urban Meyer to dance with on the sideline. So we'll see what he can do (laughs) back on the sideline. After a week of turmoil... The Jags are only a four and a half point underdog in this game, a total of forty eight and a half. We got we got to talk about Alex, Urban Meyer for a second. Yeah, we are an Urban Meyer fan podcast, is, and we've always liked him. He's always been our guy. Oh, love him, great guy. I just I've <laughs> just never I've never seen I've never seen a coach that stays behind. On a road game. He stayed behind. College coaches don't do that. This guy's an well, NFL coach no, now. What the fuck not. is going... He stayed behind to be with family, apparently. And he was fucking twerking on blonde college girls. I guess that's why he stayed behind to be with family, to twerk on fucking chicks at the bar, which is... He's Ohio State. That's fan, fine right if, you're not, if you're not married. Yeah, I guess he had to watch Ohio State fucking wash Rutgers. Yeah, it's a great, great thing to not fly with the entire team. I've just never heard that before. There's so many distractions. It's just, it's kind of fucking embarrassing at this point, but I don't know. Go, Urban. You are the head coach of the football team. Like, what more needs to be said? Yeah, it's it's honestly absolutely insane, which is why I am hammering the titans they absolutely dominated the jets despite they lost the game they they ran 93 plays to the jets 60 plays they dominated the game derrick henry is gonna absolutely go off i just i can't imagine betting the jags right now despite it being this this line is weird four right doesn't everyone think they're just going to crush them? And then you see the only laying four, which kind of scares me. Four and a half. I'm, I'm going like to grab four with the Titans. I'm I'm going to lay it, but it, it's kind of worrisome. Yeah, I think that you're right about it being a little worrisome. Like, it does make you wonder if the Titans had won against the Jets last week. Like this is this is close to seven, right? Yeah, you have to think so, but on the road. Yeah. Despite I mean, being on I the road, bet, right? Yeah. But no, I, I think like so. Like you said, they I, dominated stats against the Jets and just didn't win the game. I mean Yeah, just bad I, on bad on conversions, bad on third down, bad on fourth down. It, Poor coaching. They they kind of they they lost that game, and then I don't. Do you care at all about the stats? 
the status of uh, Julio Jones and A.J. Brown here as a Titans backer, or are you just expecting I'd, an overall better performance? I just think an overall better performance. And I think at least one or two. I think they'll be back, right? I think one or two will be back. And even without, I think they'll run all over this Jags defense. I'm I'm not really concerned. And the Jags defense has been terrible. And then Urban Meyer's decision-making is terrible. I, just, I think there's just too many distractions. But does that lend you to think that the Jags are kind of the play? You know, like the Jags are not playing for Urban Meyer. They're kind of playing for themselves at this point. Right, yeah. And in a way, that can be kind of galvanizing, you know? Exactly. That's why I think, yeah, that's <laughs> that's the only thing that makes me worry. Like, Well, you're on the Titans. Gonna, like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm hammering the Titans. I would not stray away, but that would be my only worry is that they're just playing for themselves and playing for their jobs and playing just to be professional football players and like fuck Irvin Meyer, we're just playing to win football well, games despite him. And another right. And another thing that kind of reinforces that point. We've seen this before with Urban Meyer when he has exited college jobs. It's kind of all about him and the whole thing leading up to the game. He's looking for this big send off. He's looking for this emotional like, oh, my God, we can't believe you're terminally ill. And then you're going to be coaching in two weeks again type deal. Like he's looking for the fanfare that comes with his exit from these college jobs. And now, yeah, for the wrong reasons, here he is with all sorts of headline grabbing news again. Like, if you're a player for an Urban Meyer team, like, you got to be like, yo, I'm the guy, I'm the reason this guy's here. I mean, we're an NFL team, we have NFL players, and he's our coach. As players that are trying to earn a paycheck every week, it's now on us to remind everyone why we're still in the league. So, I think there could be something to that. Yeah, this honestly feels like one of those spots like where the coach is actually fired, but he's not. Like we we always <laughs> look to coaches we always look to coaches that are fired and then you you join, you you back the team that fires their coach, but Urban Meyer hasn't been fired, but it feels like he <laughs> is. So that's that's my only worry, but I gotta just be a fucking idiot and take the title. He lasts a year. Yeah, Ur- Urban's gone. He he might not last the season. Yeah, I'd be shocked if he lasts the season. And he's not going to USC. They're not going to hire him. Yeah, I mean it's funny after that incident. Yeah, you, you're saying shocked. that's the nail in the coffin. It is. He didn't really. I don't know. I mean, what did he do? He he cheated on his wife. No, he didn't cheat. He just looked like a fucking idiot but <laughs> i just can't imagine a college bringing him in now he just looks like a fucking dumbass yeah, be a terrible world. yeah, yeah I, I just can't imagine it. but it, it right, feels like he's been fired off. yeah yeah let's go Fuck let's go to another division game as this is in the nfc north with the detroit lions heading to the twin cities to take on the minnesota vikings I've seen the Lions getting nine in this game. 
and it's a total of 49 and a half. You know, now it's on one on one hand, you can look at it and say, well, the Vikings are laying nine, and they scored seven last week. So you have that. But at the same time, last week we're all like, you got to take the Lions. Like, you, you just got to take Lions at Soldier Field. Bears offense is a mess. Lions are battling against San Francisco, battling against Baltimore, battling in the first half against Green Bay. Lions are clearly the side. And then comes Sunday, we're like, well, what the hell? Like, how the hell did this happen? The Detroit Lions are the public dog. Like, that should never be a thing. Like, we should never say that. So, I don't think I can get there with Detroit just on the fact that their offense looked pretty bad last weekend, too. And Minnesota had been humming on offense before last week. So, I'd pass this game. Might as well be the, you know, corner of the bar game in the early window because I don't have much interest at all. Yeah, this is a corner of the bar game. I I hope I don't see this on TV. This is definitely a pass for me. I gun to my head. You got to take the points at, at nine, but yeah, I can't get there with either side. Well, then let's not pay that game any attention than we needed to, and let's go to the Steel City where the Denver Broncos travel to Pittsburgh. One-point dog are the Broncos, and obviously one of the lowest totals on the board at 40. And Alex, I don't have much else other than lines weird. You gotta bet the Steelers because the Broncos are three and uh, or three and one. Pittsburgh is one and three and looks to be an absolute dumpster fire. Yet here they are as a short favorite, probably because Teddy Bridgewater is unlikely to play. We would think. And Mac, or excuse me, uh, uh, Drew Lock is going to step in. Had I had a brain freeze, he's just been so irrelevant. But <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Lock stepping in against the Steelers' defense, like, that does not sound like a recipe for success. Weird line with the Steelers being favored. Like, it's just an auto bet. Like, you just got to take the Steelers here, and I know you feel that way too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm hammering the Steelers. This is their last fucking chance. Drew Locke on the road against a really strong defense. Steelers were a, a bad call away from really making that game close. They were not offsides. They blocked that field goal, returned it for a touchdown against Green Bay. They look good. Yeah, this line is just way too fishy. This is a plug your nose. You have to bet the Steelers. There's just no way that Ben Roethlisberger comes out that fucking bad again. Drew Locke against his defense. Yeah. You can't do it. This is Steelers or nothing. I'm definitely betting the Steelers. So some agreement there on the Steel City team, the Pittsburgh Steelers at home. Let's stay in the AFC North where we have, I think, one of the more intriguing games in the early window, and it's the Green Bay Packers heading to Southwest Cincinnati, or Southwest Ohio, excuse me, to take on the Cincinnati Bengals. 
And we're seeing a favorite of three points. And we have a total in this game of 52. So Green Bay laying three, total 52. Alex, I am going to take Cincinnati. And I think that this is this is the Super Bowl for Cincinnati. And I think we're living in a world in which maybe they win this game and everybody kind of hops on the Bengals bandwagon and then they become the Bengals again and they end up going like 7 and 10, 8 and 9, something like that. But this spot, I like a lot because you have, first off, I think there's some line fishiness, fishiness going on here where this opened three and a half. And I was saying last week, oh, I kind of like the Bengals at that number. But then I thought, well, public will be all over Green Bay. Packers get a phony cover last week, as you alluded to, against the Steelers. Packers win primetime in week three against the San Francisco 49ers went in prime time in week two against the Detroit Lions. And all of a sudden, nobody even cares that they got their ass kicked by New Orleans in week one. Maybe you don't have reason to care. Maybe the Packers are on their way to another NFC championship game appearance or better. I happen to think Cincinnati, extra time to prepare at home, three and one. This is the Super Bowl for the Bengals. The fans have not had a meaningful game like this in a while. I mean, gosh, it'll be Sunday's date is October the 10th. And usually the Bengal season is over by October the 10th. So now they are three and one facing another three and one team, the reigning MVP in Aaron Rodgers coming to Cincinnati. I think you're going to get a really good home crowd here. That's going to urge on a Bengals team that's young and obviously could probably benefit from a big time crowd in a big time game like this. Jair Alexander might not play for Green Bay. They've been struggling against the pass. We know that the front seven is kind of the better area of the Green Bay defense. Joe Burrow's got the weapons to potentially really exploit this Green Bay secondary, particularly if Alexander's down. Give me the Bengals plus the field goal. I think they probably win this game outright. I completely agree. This is... One of the fishier lines of the week. I think the better play might be on the over. The Packers, they've allowed 33 points on average in their first two road games. I really like the Bengals' offense. We saw T. T Higgins is back. My only concern here is that Joe Mixon, he missed practice today. So that would be my concern. But I think this Bengals' offense is strong enough to they put up enough points. I think the over is a good play here. Yeah, and I think that correlates a little bit with my point with Cincinnati. If you're Zach Taylor, and there's still some questions about his coaching acumen in the NFL, you think, and he's an offensive mind, he's from the Sean McVay tree, you would think here that you dial up all the tricks in the bag for a game of this magnitude, just in terms of getting the Bengals on the map here. I mean, obviously, in a game against a non-conference opponent, there's nothing on the line here in the way of tiebreakers. But I just think the kind of emotional gain to be had and the respect that we would put on the Bengals for this season would go a long way if they are to win against Green Bay. Because you look at their other wins, Jacksonville, 
had to come from behind to do it. I mean, who who even trails against Jacksonville? And then Minnesota, you know, okay, but they were an underdog in that game. Minnesota's not looking great anyway, so they win that one. And and the Steelers one looks least impressive, uh, less impressive, I should say, as each week, each week passes. So this is really the spot where the Bengals can shut up anybody that doesn't think they're legit for any of the reasons I said regarding the teams that they beat. And I think that correlates to the over because, like you said, Zach Taylor uh, and and Cincinnati, like they're an offensive juggernaut or close to it. I feel like there's an offense that I trust to put up points most weeks. Maybe juggernaut's an exaggeration, but I think with extra time to prepare, and you would expect Aaron Rodgers to exploit the Cincinnati defense. I would probably have to agree that the over would be how I'd look on the total. I don't think it's correlated, though. I think that this can go over regardless of who wins. Yeah, I would definitely lean the Cincinnati side. I would love to get three in the hook, though. I'm seeing this at three in most spots, and I'm seeing a lot of money coming in on the Packers, rightfully so. It just seems like the obvious spot, which is which is why you should probably not bet the Packers here. They're their secondary, they ranked 25th in past DVOA. And like you mentioned, Javier Alexander, he was he was carted off the field on Sunday. I I can't imagine he plays. And then that Packers secondary is going to be kind of weak. I I think Jamar Chase, any sound touchdown, that's going to be a good bet as well. Yeah, that's a good look for sure. Let's go to Houston where the Texans, Welcome in the New England Patriots. And talking about side and total correlations, well, we might not think we had one there in the Green Bay-Cincinnati game, but certainly looks like there's one here where if you like New England laying nine points, you should probably bet this game over 39.5. And, and if you like Houston plus the nine, you should probably bet this game under 39.5 uh, because at the end of the day, you wouldn't really expect Houston to score much. If it is to cover, it's probably a – a muck it up game that nobody like this has corner of the bar potential too. And you, you, there's not many playmakers in this game for either team. Um, and so I'm not sure where the explosive plays are going. Where is the quick points coming from? You know, new England laying nine points like that feels crazy. So I know you kind of lean with the Texans. Um, and, and I think if you lean with Houston, then you probably, uh, would also look at playing this game under on the basis that, as I said, Houston maybe mucks it up 14-10, 17-10 final, something like that. It is Belichick against the rookie quarterback angle, which we like. But the bigger angle, Alex, that I would interest in you, and maybe you hadn't thought about this, but as a Texans backer, how about a Brandon Cooks revenge game? That one have any any fluff to it? You know we love a good revenge game. We we talked it up last week. Corey Davis revenge game. So why not a why not a Cooks revenge game? I I don't hate that. I I'm definitely laying the points or I'm I'm taking the points here with with the Texans. Plus, I got plus nine and a half, and I think under thirty nine and a half is a good look. It's it's such a low number, but how are the Patriots going to move the ball? Like. They put up 17 points against a Bucks defense that 
allows 29.3 points per game through three weeks. I know Davis Mills is not very good. I don't trust the coach at all either, but nine and a half in the NFL is just such a large number, especially on the road. You saw the Patriots starting left tackle, Isaiah Wynn, and then their left guard, Mike Anuwu. They're both on the COVID list this week, so they might be down two offensive linemen. I just can't lay that many points. I'm I'm definitely taking the Texans here. I like the points. Just hoping for an ugly game under, and then the Texans plus nine and a half. Yeah, I, I agree. I just don't see where the points are coming from for New England, and, and, and they're going to have to score a lot to cover this number. So probably no play for me, but I'd lean with the Houston side, like you said. Let's go to the late afternoon window of games where we have the Chicago Bears traveling to Sin City to take on the Vegas Raiders. And we're seeing Vegas laying five and a half in this game. Total over at Bet Online is sitting at 44. Alex, you're leaning with the Raiders. I talked about another revenge game, Khalil Mack. I forgot that these two teams played in a London game in 2019 when that was Khalil Mack's first season with Chicago. Having said that, though, uh, you know, if you can get a Khalil Mack to record a sack prop or maybe he comes out for snap or something and strips Derek Carr and you want to look for a Bears defensive special teams first touchdown shoot for the moon prop, you know, shoot your shot. But having said that, um, you lean the Raiders. I think this is a tough side because – you have Justin Fields making another start. Matt Nagy has now finally committed to him as a starting quarterback in Chicago. And then you have the Raiders who came back down to earth. We called it. We, we got that one right. Let's pat ourselves on the back. And I don't mind owning my terrible picks. But at the same time, uh, the Chargers were definitely the side Monday Night Football. And they got us home to the window. So you saw the Raiders really not look that good. The Raiders looked human. And I think a lot of that had to do with the first three quarters or so Derek Carr and the offense really struggling. So you could talk me into the Chicago defense kind of stifling Derek Carr a little bit here. Um, you know, and at the same time, maybe Justin Fields is a little more comfortable. I just don't know yet what I'm getting from Justin Fields in this offense to really feel good about betting Chicago. But I don't think I want the Raiders here either on the short week uh, going against a, a good defense like the Chargers were last week. So I, I think I'll stay away. Um, Chicago was kind of a team, like obviously it was on the Lions, like they were kind of a team that I just had crashed on and just thought, oh, that offense is so bad. Like, I don't want it. David Montgomery not going to play in this game. So they're down one of their playmakers. I, I, I arguably their arguably their best playing. Yeah, I just I just really like what I saw from the Raiders front seven. They're really getting after the passer. I I thought that Herbert made more plays, like good plays than than was actually allowed. Like the Raiders defense looked pretty damn good. I like Max Crosby on the front seven. I, I think the Raiders are going to get after the passer. I think this is one of the better 
home crowds in the NFL. I don't think home field actually matters that much anymore, but this Raiders Las Vegas, I feel like that's a very crazy hometown advantage. I feel like this is actually one of the home fields that actually matters. This and the Chiefs and the I just really like the Raiders here at home. A little bounce back spot. The Raiders are coming back home. The Chicago Bears are on the road. Yeah, I would definitely strong lean on the Raiders here to cover the spread. So now we have another battle in the AFC West. This with an AFC North team as opposed to Chicago, an NFC North team. But it's the Cleveland Browns. Rotation number 471 traveling to SoFi Stadium to take on the L.A. Chargers. And we're only seeing the Chargers lay one and a half in this game, total 46 and a half. And boy, does that line seem a little fishy, Alex, when we see the Chargers in week four on Monday night football play as well as they did against undefeated Las Vegas at the time. And now this number comes one and a half. I mean, I know Cleveland has won three in a row and recovered nicely from a game that it let get away against Kansas City in week one. But here we have a Chargers team that looks like they're firing on all cylinders here. And I know you said home field doesn't matter that much. And it certainly doesn't for the Chargers. But still, one and a half on the Chargers' home field kind of suggests that the Browns are the better team. And that if this game was on a neutral field, the Browns would be favored. And certainly they'd be favored if it was in Cleveland. I don't know that that's a message I can endorse. But I really thought this line would be at least three. And I, I just, I'm surprised that it's just sitting one and a half. Very slightest of leans to the Chargers, but I you can't play it. It just feels pretty fishy. No, doesn't this feel like they're just begging us to bet the Browns at that number? Right, like that's it's the so thing. Low, I feel like, like if I had to, just out of my principles, I would play Cleveland because anytime the line feels fishier that it's free, you want to kind of bet the other side. But yeah, I could see the Chargers winning by double digits here. Oh, absolutely. I think Chargers are one of the better teams in football, but it's just such a weird line. I think I have to pass it. If I had to get there, I I would bet the, the Browns here, but it's just such a weird line. Yeah, I mean, what else more can you say, right? I mean, I just think, I, I can't believe this is one and a half. Like, the the Chargers have a win at Arrowhead Stadium this year, and they have a they're like they're two and zero in divisional play in one of the best divisions in the NFL. And didn't that just you feel know, like we can say Herbert we, was just just bailing them out of all these plays? I feel like Herbert was I mean, bailing them out. I guess if you think that, then you bet Cleveland here. But I kind of think that the Chargers are a complete like damn good football team. Yeah, I, I did really like to see what their defense was doing for sure, but it's just so tough to back them right now. It, I just I think the Cleveland Browns are a pretty complete football team with that rushing attack, and the Chargers are one of the worst defenses in the NFL against the rush. So it's it's a really good matchup. Let's go to a matchup that maybe doesn't catch as many eyes, but. If you're a gambler and you've been betting the Giants on the road under Danny Dimes, 
that'll catch your eyes is the Giants are seven point road dog at Jerry World. Total of fifty two and a half. Giants Cowboys. Danny Dimes on the road. On you know right right like I don't understand. I think you have to to take the points here. Yeah, like you have to take the Giants if you're playing this side. I think this is a this is my plug your nose. Just take the Giants. I I did it last week in my contest. I think you have to just take the Giants again. I know Blake Martinez out. It was a huge detriment, but they look pretty good coming back. Just Danny Dimes on the road is just an auto play. Might be getting some help offensively with Sterling Shepard and uh, uh, the other receiver, Darius Slayton. Look Darius like Slayton. Close. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's not much else more to it, like. Danny Dimes has been weirdly money on the road, divisional dog. Like it's just one of those games. And you know what? You're 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 buying stock at the Cowboys at the top of the market. I think they're pretty good, but are they seven point favorite good in a division game? Not sure. I'm ready to go there yet. I am ready to go to the desert for San Francisco on Arizona, as the 49ers are a Five and a half point dog total of 49 and a half. This is my favorite play of the week. I am on the 49ers as a max play. And I really like the spot because this is buy low on San Francisco. This is sell high on Arizona. The Arizona Cardinals are the only unbeaten left in the NFL. Now all eyes of the remaining members of the 72 Dolphins. And for that matter, the entire NFL world are on the Arizona Cardinals now. And that's exactly when I want to fade the Arizona Cardinals because I will give them credit for last week. I didn't have a play in the game, but anytime you look as dominant at times as they did against the Rams and win the game like they did, you have to swallow some pride. And I will as someone that hasn't believed much in the Arizona Cardinals. And I'll give you credit for that win against the Rams. But other than that, it's beating up on a Titans defense that's terrible It's surviving by the skin of your teeth because Minnesota missed a field goal in the final seconds, and it's Urban Meyer. So I I can't really get too excited about the first three wins on the schedule for Arizona. And then we look at San Francisco, and they've lost back-to-back games all of a sudden now. San Francisco has a bye in week six, so the 49ers won't play again until week seven after today, after this week. Are they really going to go into their bye with three straight losses? And even if they do, are they going to go into their bye on such a sour note where they don't even cover this number at five and a half? I know there's concerns about the quarterback for San Francisco, but I think the 49ers are one of the teams where you can just say, I don't think it matters that much because I like betting on good infrastructures. And I think that's what San Francisco has. They have a general manager that knows what he's doing in John Lynch. They have a coach that knows what he's doing in Kyle Shanahan. And more often than not, you can build a football team around with that kind of brain trust that's going to be able to withstand an injury to a quarterback the likes of Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, let's just call it how it is. There's a reason they get to a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback, and that reason is not Jimmy Garoppolo. So with all of that said, 
I think the San Francisco infrastructure here is kind of what my bet is on. Expecting them last week lost a game in which Seattle was the more desperate team, and the Seahawks showed it. Week three, lost a game at the buzzer, walk-off field goal by Mason Crosby. If they win that game against Green Bay, this line's closer to three instead of closer to seven. So I think that you're just getting pure line value here on the buy low of San Francisco, the sell high of Arizona. I Again, I really like fading Arizona coming off that big win against the Rams. Not a team I trust to back it up with another divisional win. San Francisco, on the other hand, I've seen them do it. I really like the way the roster was constructed. I was not surprised to see them get to the Super Bowl two years ago. Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, I don't really care. Lance just needs to protect the ball and make some plays with his legs, which he can, which he can certainly do. 49ers plus five and a half, best bet for me in NFL week five. I'm completely with you, Greg. I I don't know how much of a drop-off it really is from Jimmy G to Trey Lance. I think Lance might fit this Kyle Shanahan offense better. We saw what he did with more mobile quarterbacks, and I'm not sure there's that big of a drop-off. I think the Niners are the only play here. Yeah, exactly. I'm not really sure how much of a drop-off there is here. And, and, and there better not be. I mean, they took Trey Lance third overall, so they better be right about him uh, for the sake of their franchise. Otherwise, maybe that brain trust that I talked about, maybe there is some faith trusts that begin to emerge in San Francisco and, uh, you know, people begin to question John Lynch and Kyle but Shanahan. My biggest concern more... would be that that San Francisco secondary, though. Yes. Yes, understood. Tyler Murray looking like an MVP. He might pick him apart, but yeah, I think I think San Francisco could keep up here. And that's kind of what we're betting on. I mean, the Cardinals lost that or did not cover in that week two game against Minnesota in a game in which Minnesota scored 36 points and it should have been 39 with the walk-off field goal. So I think that's kind of what I'm looking at here as well. But I do also want to give the 49ers front seven enough credit where I would expect them to obviously come after Kyler Murray and maybe give him less time to exploit their weak secondary. So I, you know, you're, you're kind of making a case whether you're intending to or not on the over there. I more so just like the 49ers to get a win going into their bye. Uh, but I definitely am taking the five and a half points. That's for sure. Let's go to the primetime games now where we have the Kansas City Chiefs in a rematch of last year's AFC championship game. Welcoming in the Buffalo Bills. Kansas City is a two and a half point favorite. Total is 56 and a half. This is one of the biggest totals you will see all year. Excuse me. Uh, and you know what, Alex? Like, I, I'm going to get there with the Chiefs. I was debating it most of the week. But at this number, at two and a half, I think you just have to understand that it was three last year in the AFC Championship game. Buffalo lost by 14. And how much different are these two teams since then? If anything, Kansas City with a revamped offensive line might even be able to score more than it did last week or last year, excuse me, in that AFC Championship game. So Patrick Mahomes at under a field goal already feels good. And I think this is the public dog of the week and everybody's going to be playing up the Buffalo revenge angle. Uh, and then Josh Allen and company get served a big piece of humble pie. Give me the 
Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid laying the short number at home. Yeah, I'm currently seeing uh, on action that the Bills are getting 60% of bets, but the Chiefs are getting 56% of money. I'm with you. I'm on. I'm on the Chiefs. I'm. I'm hammering the Chiefs. There's just a few pillars of gambling that you don't bet against. Patrick Mahomes under a field goal, two and a half. The Chiefs. I hammered it. We were saying on our our spaces. This gets under three, then we're playing it. And, that, and then I did. I, I had to take the Chiefs. I, I'm not betting against Patrick Mahomes in a one-score game. Certainly uh, sounds a little square, but I can't disagree with that one at least. So let's wrap things up on Monday Night Football. We have a pretty boring Monday Night game. The Colts are touchdown underdog going to uh, Baltimore. And the total is 46. Obviously, uh, for the older fans out here, it's the new Colts versus the old Colts, even though the Ravens were the Cleveland Browns used to be a franchise in Baltimore called the Colts. I don't think so, there's anyone alive that you think there's anyone still alive that is rocking with the Baltimore hey, Colts. We welcome gamblers of all ages on this podcast. So <laughs> that's fair. I'm, I'm not going to discriminate. If you're listening from your wheelchair, like, thank you. We we really appreciate that. So, anyway, I'm going to use Baltimore. I mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast in a teaser with our with Seattle. Uh, just kind of happened this way where the primetime games end up being my teaser, and I like the Kansas City side in the Sunday night game. But I, Indianapolis, like, that's just a dead weird Miami team that they beat last week. Like I would not read into that for a second. The Colts are one and three. Nothing's deceiving about their record. You look at Baltimore and that was really impressive. In my opinion, going to Denver and winning the way that they did. I think the Ravens, I think we're looking back on the Ravens season. I don't know that they're actually going to win the division. Cleveland may still get there. And obviously the Bengals right now are in it, but I think we're looking back, whether they win the division or not, we're looking back on the Tucker field goal for Baltimore. And we're saying in two, three months, that was a season changing moment for the Ravens. Cause if they lose that game to the lions, you know, who knows what happens. And, and I think they may not come out with that same performance that they did last week in the mile high city against undefeated Denver. I think Baltimore is uh, firing on all cylinders. I'd lay the seven if I had to on the side, but I was looking for a leg to tie that Seattle teaser to. And definitely give me the Ravens down to minus one. I don't see any way that Indy goes in there and wins. No, there's no there's no chance Indianapolis goes into Baltimore and wins. Did you, did you hear how upset Dick Fangio was this, this past week? Because Baltimore ran the ball to get to yeah. over 100 yards. I saw the headlines. They ran it. I, I I wasn't watching that when it happened. So did they just take a running play to get to 100 rushing yards instead of taking? Yeah, a knee? Lamar Lamar ran instead of you know taking a knee, but to get to 100 yards. I I completely agree with Jim Harbaugh here. I, I mean, I have nothing about the game. I I would John Harbaugh. I I like that teaser. Yeah, John Harbaugh. Sorry, I like that teaser. I really have nothing on this game, but what a sore loser Vic Fangio is. He was so upset. 
because they went yeah. for it to get to over 100 yards, which makes sense for their squad. They want to go for the record of being 100 yard plus in consecutive games, and they went for it and they got it. So yeah, if you don't like stop it, stop them. them. I mean, Fangio yeah, seems like one of the. I mean, he's yeah, one of the older coaches, anyway, but he he gives off a lot of get off my lawn vibes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. There so. He's Alex Uplinger at full underscore slate underscore pod. He manages our podcast Twitter at Alex underscore up seven on his personal account. I'm Greg Frank at undercover Greg for my gambling picks. Hope everybody has enjoyed their week so far. Enjoy your Thursday. Enjoy Thursday night football. Enjoy the baseball playoffs. Alex, it's one of the best sports months of the year, October. Oh, yeah, I love it. I love seeing this baseball playoffs, especially you get them in the day. You get some you get some day right, action exactly. with these playoffs. Day now, and pretty soon we'll have NBA and NHL starting. So a lot going yeah, really. on, Alex. Always good to chat, and uh, we'll be talking. Yeah, buddy. Talk to you later. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. Everyone enjoy your weekends, and of course, please, play responsibly.